Hello and welcome to What Were You Thinking? Brought to you with Vestia Collective and hosted by moi, Henry Holland. The guy with the big hair, the big glasses and the annoying laugh. Sounds about that. Before we get started, I just want you to know that this podcast is not about my guests' fashion fails. It's all about the fashion moments that shaped their lives personally or professionally. The fashion we wear punctuates all of our life stories and can play such an important role in so many of our most treasured memories. Like the time I was gifted a divine shell suit for Christmas and before Christmas dinner I'd melted it next to the Calagas fire to my own arm. If you're wondering where you can see all of the looks on today's episode, all you have to do is check out our Instagram at What Were You Thinking Podcast and follow along. Use the hashtag WWYT Podcast and I don't know, share some of your own stories or give us some feedback. I so would GG Good. For me, there is no other art form that harnesses and embraces the transformative power of fashion and style than the world of drag. This week's guest is a drag artist who leaves her fans in awe and dumbfounded admiration for the impeccable and meticulous historical and fashion references that she infuses into every single look. And for the playful humour and sense of camp that she exudes in every single performance. After wiring the world on season 12 of RuPaul's Drag Race, Miss Gigi Good is ready to take on the world. Gigi grew up with a costume designer mum who she regularly collaborates with and describes as her muse in many ways. I want to know how that close relationship inspired her relationship with fashion and allowed her to realise its power from an early age. What was her first drag? Was it the impeccably polished queen we know and love? Her characterisation on the show shone through in both her looks and her performances and I'm fascinated to hear how each of her characters are born and evolved and the role that both fashion and beauty play in that process for her. Full disclosure here too, guys. I'm a bit of a super fan, so any incessant high-pitched giggling throughout, and I will allow some fast-forwarding. So, Gigi, thank you so much for, first of all, bearing with me through that incredibly long introduction, but also for speaking to me on today's podcast. I, as you can tell, I'm very excited about today. I am so excited. This is an honor. Oh, wow. How, how are you? How's lockdown? How's life? I'm actually good, which feels weird to say, but lockdown has been, it's like, it's been okay because I, I kind of feel like without it, I really wouldn't have the opportunities to like make and create and like cultivate the art that I, you know, wanted to reconnect with if I had been like club, 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 you know, like, like that Gaga meme, club, bus, club, another club, bus, another club, another bully. Yeah. But like, and I was just, um, I, I saw Naomi yesterday and she was talking about how right when she got off her season, it was just like zero to a hundred, no time to think about anything. And it was, so strange to suddenly just have everybody else doing something for you. Whereas like my drag is so like, it's like ritualistic to me. It means so much to me that the idea of having everyone do everything for me almost like defeats the purpose. So I'm really happy to have had all this time to sit and like 
plan ahead. <laughs> it's like the world's given us permission to kind of sit and take a pause, right? And kind of just think and really internalize and think about what's important and how we want to go forward when things reopen. And I don't feel like we've ever had that opportunity before. No, no. It's so easy to look at all the negatives of what's going on, which obviously there are more yeah. often than not, they're outweighing the positives. But looking yeah. at the positives kind of offers us just kind of a breath of release for a minute and then yeah. something yeah. else to focus on. Um, so let's start by talking about some of your earliest memories and some of your earliest connections with fashion. Do you remember what your earliest memories were? Yes. I think that my my very first memories with fashion started with dolls. And, yeah. um, you know, because I, I became aware of like the tactile form of fashion through dolls before I was ever aware of, you know, what the word fashion was or like a clothing pattern, a sewing pattern, what have you. And so through these Barbie dolls that, you know, were given to me by my mom in secret and like my babysitters and, you know, eventually were thrown away by my dad, they, they have fully shaped my idea of fashion. Cause just like wrapping a napkin around a Barbie doll and calling it a gown is just, that is square one. And then from there, it's just a matter of, okay, well, how do I make it bigger and fuller? How do I make it shorter? How do I make it have this neckline? Which, of course, at the time, and I'm probably like three or four years old right now, have no idea what I'm doing. But it's just like, I don't know. I do my The only memories as a child that I do remember are the ones that involve feminine things like dolls and my mom's like boudoir where she would get ready for church every Sunday morning and <laughs> like so yeah what about your like things that you wore yourself like do you have because some of my earliest memories are, are based around the outfits that I had on so you know I can remember these royal blue corduroys with this scratchy yellow and white striped jumper my mum for some reason loved primary colors which has definitely stayed with me that connects for me to one of my earliest memories and so many of my memories right the way through my life I can remember what I was wearing or what you know other people even were wearing in the situation so can you remember like some of your earliest memories of things that you wore that meant something for you and were they feminine things as well absolutely yes I mean like when I, when I tell you, I probably can't remember anything in terms of like boy clothes that I would have worn because that was just so boring to me. Um, what I do remember is having a pair of ruby red slippers um, from The Wizard of Oz, which that movie fully shaped, like fully shaped so much of my inspiration and my creativity with color stories and um just proportions, just everything. That movie was everything to me. And so I remember the ruby red slippers and I remember getting in a fight with um, my neighbor, Julia, who thought that they belonged to her, but they most certainly did not. And, um, <laughs> uh -oh. you know, so so unfortunately, I, I don't have a lot of memories from when I was a child. And it makes me so sad because I know I had such a great childhood and I would love to be able to remember all of it, but I can't remember anything like before the age of seven, really. The other thing I do remember is the school that I went to, the the preschool that I went to, had a dress-up station, and all the boys would go and dress up like firefighters and like dinosaurs and police officers, and there was always this one dress that I'm sure was inspired by like Spanish flamenco dancers, but it was the fullest one, and it had the most amount of like sequins and trimmings on it, and I would sprint to that dress and get it on and um, I do have a picture of that actually that I can send you 
Um, That would be incredible, yeah. Did you feel comfortable expressing that side of yourself when you were that age? You know, were you just, were you happy to to be around all those firemen and those wrestlers or whatever those other fancy dress kids are wearing, wearing the flamenco dress? Yeah, I don't ever feel, I don't ever remember feeling out of place or um, feeling different necessarily. I know that my parents and my family and my friends definitely knew and thought I was different, but internally to me it was just, you know, like if I am different, thank God. You know, I don't yeah. want to be like any of these other little girls in preschool. Because yeah. I think some of my earliest um, realizations of the power of fashion were the way that I used it kind of in some of my teenage years where I wanted to fit in and I wanted to shrink and I wanted to, you know, not draw attention and I didn't want to get that negative attention. And so I dressed in a way that I knew that that wouldn't attract the attention. And then, you know, later in life, I realized that I loved that attention and that was the best bit about it. And so I've kind of played both of those sides for sure. Well, even throughout middle school and high school, I never like held back <laughs> whatever I wanted to wear. And that did become an issue when when it started to when when I started to be more um cognizant of what's going on and my parents were starting to kind of worry about what other people might be saying or thinking, but like I would see in a magazine a man with skinny jeans and a chain wallet, you know, and then instantly I'd have to go to Hot Topic and find that chain wallet. And like, they didn't make skinny jeans that were my size because I was so tiny and so skinny. So I would, I learned how to sew and I learned how to make my jeans skinny for me. And and same with like cardigans were always too big and baggy. So I had to make them fit my body. And, you know, I, I never really held back. I I would say maybe in middle school a little bit I did because that was like the worst in terms of bullying. Even throughout high school, like my junior and senior year, I I wore makeup to class and I just, I think having the mom that I had really allowed me to do all these things completely freely. And I understand that there are so many kids out there that just don't have that and did not get to have that. And I wish that all those parents would just watch the impact that my mom raising me has had on my life because at the end of the day, if, if your parenting is not all about making your child as happy as they possibly can be, then you're yeah. not parenting. I mean, I'm, I'm, so, I'm so fortunate in a really similar way. At my 12th birthday party, my mom invited all of her friends and had T-shirts made with her face on it. And it <laughs> said at the top, Stephanie Holland, and underneath it said, gay icon. And the next day... <laughs> She made all of her friends march at Pride wearing these T-shirts because she decided she wanted to be a gay icon. And she was like, well, no better place to be born a gay icon than Pride. And all of my mum's friends were wearing these T-shirts at my 12th birthday party. And I was and I was definitely in that kind of more shrinking phase. And I was like, mum, seriously? (laughs) And now looking back, I'm like, I have such gratitude for that. And just the way that I was so able to not fear any side of myself and just, you know, be comfortable because I knew I was in a safe space. So it's amazing. We're taking a quick break and we'll be right back after this. This podcast is brought to you with Vestiaire Collective. That French for shared wardrobe to you and me. The leading global platform for pre-loved fashion. With a community of over 9 million fashion activists buying and selling pieces from each other. If you don't know them, now's the time to check out their circular fashion movement. Download the Vestiaire Collective app and use my special promo code HENRY at the checkout for 20 quid off when you spend just 150 
Full T's and C's on vestiairecollective.com. You can thank me later. Okay, so that takes me on to the first look that we're going to talk about. So you sent me a picture of you in drag. I don't know how old you are, but you're wearing a silver bolero sequin jacket, a little bra, and what looks to me like a skinny jean. So were those skinny jeans that you made? Darling, That those were a pair of leggings, black <gasps> leggings that I borrowed from a friend because this, okay, so I was 15 years old in this photo. Okay. And this- Where are we? Set the scene for me where it looks like you're sat on a washing machine, like in someone's basement or something. Exactly. Yes. Okay. We are at my um, my friend whose drag name is Cindy Vicious was at the time and still currently is um, from Incredible. Chicago. And uh, Cindy decided that she wanted to throw a drag show and we went to high school together. We were the same age. And so I had never done a drag show. I'd never performed on stage in drag. But of course, I had like spent years in my bedroom at night in front of my mirror doing it. So this photo is from our promo shoot for the first show. Such attention to detail. Did you have flyers? You're like, we need... Oh, we we had flyers. Promo. We had stickers. We had pins. We had... We had all of it. It was... I'm not gonna lie, like the production value of that show sometimes is bigger than... Some of the ones that I've done. But um, the person next to me in the photo is my really close friend, Kirby, whose drag name is Goddard. And just like you can see in that photo, the weirdest, like craziest, (laughs) kookiest. I think that Kirby offered a lot of inspiration to me at that age because of their willingness to just not give a fuck about what anybody was thinking about themselves. And that like, That was mind blowing to me because of course I was really doing whatever I wanted to, but I wanted everything that I was doing to stay pristine and to stay pretty and stuff. But it wasn't until I realized that like, it does not matter what other people think. I'm not doing it for them. I'm doing it for me. So that definitely offered. And how amazing that you had like a drag family at 15 years old. Like you managed to gravitate together and find those like-minded souls. That's so like fortunate again, isn't it? That's amazing. They both still do drag now. Mm-hmm. Well, yes. Yeah, Cindy does it a lot in Chicago. Um, Kirby has like found a life in Colorado with like a tiny little bungalow and a cup of coffee. That's like oh. her thing now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Amazing. What we all want every Sunday and then we head back to the city and yes. we're like, no, no, no. I need, I need Postmates and delivery. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And, and what about like painting and, and your face and beauty? Because you, that's just such an amazing skill of yours. Like when did you start to realize the power of, of beauty and makeup in, in the same way, in a similar way? Well, when I was very little, like I think we had just moved to Woodstock from like Chicago area. And that I was probably eight years old and I had a Ben Nye color wheel that was like, white in the center, black, red, blue, and yellow. So the primer, it was everything you needed to mix the colors. That is what I would use. And that's what I used. Like, even in that photo, I would just like mix these colors together to make something. It was all creams. It was disgusting, very oily and greasy. (laughs) But when I was, you know, that age, I know there, there was a picture of me. um, I had watched Mulan, I'm sure. And then I had attempted to do like a geisha face like at eight years old and there's a photo of it and it's not half bad 
I'll be honest. I'll see if I can find it and get it to you. But from then on, I think it was really just a matter of me stay. I, I, for some reason, I did not let my parents in on that. And I really would just stay up at night. And I think the best thing I can say for someone who wants to do drag and is not comfortable with their makeup abilities is just bite the bullet diva and stay up at night and put on a face, take it off, put on another one, take it off, put on another one. Cause repetition is the, the best way to really cultivate and, and, um, you know, improve your art. So that's just, yeah, I would say, yeah, around like eight years old. And then of course I would dig into my mom's makeup, which was all like Clinique and, you know, really God not, bless the nineties. No pigment, nothing. Just yeah. like, <laughs> it was fun. It was all just fun. So you, you collaborate a lot with your mom and you talk a lot about how close your relationship is and, you know, with her being a costume designer and her having the, was it like, an atelier or a sewing room in the basement that you base. I, I read that you you said that you were behind a sewing machine and learned how to uh, for the, from the age you learned how to use scissors. Yeah, yeah. So you were just down there from such an early age, kind of learning how to yeah. sew, how to pattern make, how to create pieces, which is amazing. Um, so talk to me about that. Like, how did you kind of come to to discover that? that room was it just like this aladdin's cave that you just sort of hid away and with your mom well my i have two older brothers mm-hmm. and they have zero interest in anything involving fashion or sewing or like arts and crafts and like me that was me and my mom's thing like from such a young age was just like arts and crafts and making things and creating things and um she didn't really start sewing she's completely self-taught figured everything out on her own but she didn't really start sewing until I started doing theater and these um shows that I was in would require costumes and she would kind of see what they had worn in years past and and jump in and say please let me help and um from that point it was just you know, because I started theater at such a young age, I would just stay with her and sit with her like hours on end watching her make these things. And it was just like so mind blowing to see flat pieces of fabric become something. And, you know, having a zipper in something, I thought that that's just how they came. Like, that's just what it was. But <laughs> I, when I found yeah. out that you could do it yourself, it, it opened a window to so many different opportunities. And the amount of talent that she has in her little finger is so special to me because of the way that she views it as well. She has no interest mm. in other drag queens or like making things for other drag queens or making things for singers or anyone, which she has gotten a lot of offers and she just has no interest for it. She would just, she just mm, wants to I make things imagine. for her son and a bunch of little fifth graders who are doing Lion King Jr. You know, it's just like yeah. her, her, you can see her passion for it through her craftsmanship and through her, you know, kind of values. Yeah. She doesn't care about money. And do you, do you share similar reference points? Like, cause I feel like there's so much knowledge and historical kind of background to so many of your look, you know, I feel like that did that come from you just pouring over fashion magazines day in, day out, or, you know, was that your mom as well kind of teaching you about ways at looking at fashion and clothing? What's funny about that is, and, and no one ever really understand people, people really think that my mom is this like, 
mogul and she's just like this fashionista who's just all about fashion and brands and designers and everything. And she does not know the mm. first thing about anything in the world of fashion. Mm. She has no knowledge of of literally anything in the world of fashion. And until now, until recently. So you taught her, you're her reference point. Though. Essentially, our partnership works so well because yes, I know how to sew. Like I can get something together, maybe not in the best, cleanest way because I'm, you know, yeah. really quick. But um, our partnership works because I draw everything. I design every single detail and I, I, you know, give her these drawings and somehow she can just put the puzzle together in like two days flat, have it sent back off to me. And it's, it, it's just like an amazing partnership. So these, these references and everything really all come from my experience with media and my experience with um, these things. And a lot of these references too, that I have, have pulled in the past, I had no idea where they were from. I might have just saw it out of the corner of my eye one time, but um, that Christian Dior silhouette that I did for the Bride Wore Black. Yeah, that's the one I'm thinking about. That's Yeah, because I read about you talking about you learning about the female form from your mom's sewing patterns. Totally, yes. And seeing those shapes. And I can picture in my mind those, like, you know, 50s, 40s, 50s sewing patterns with those really kind of, you know, like fluid forms, uh, you know, illustrated on the front. And in my brain, I can see you in the Bride Wore Black. Right. That's such the silhouette. So the Bride Wore Black look was inspired by a look that I had done before, which was a white wedding dress that was a Christian Dior silhouette that my mom had done for me. That, I think I sent you a picture of, it's me standing in a church and it's like the church is all crumbling down. So that was that. And I, when I had drawn that out for her, I had no idea who Christian Dior was. I had no idea what this reference was. I had just seen it somewhere, this shape. And it Mm. wasn't until honestly, like recently, like within the last couple of years that I started to really start doing my homework on designers and on fashion and and all that stuff. Because up until that point, like up until I dropped out of college two years ago, my only reference point for this were these sewing patterns that my mom had. And so whether she knew it or not, she was impacting my, my relationship with silhouettes. But that high-low referencing that you've got, so like from Scooby-Doo <laughs> to like Dior to Westwood to, you know, to Gautier to like Todd Oldham, like you can see all of that come together in so much of what you do, which I just think shows you, you've you really studied and, and worked on that craft. And I think that definitely shines through. So talk to me about the first time that your mum and you worked together on a lot. So we've got an image, I think. So it's um it's a pink uh Carmen San Diego inspired look with this wide brimmed hat, this little belted trench, little neck scarf. Mm-hmm. Um where where did that look originate? So that was the first look that my mom made for me once I had moved to LA. Like what that was the first look that was made for a gig, you know, like mom, right. I got booked. Okay. I'm a drag queen now. I finally got booked in LA. I need a look. <laughs> So, I mean, obviously... And how old were you when you moved to L.A.? Two years ago, I was 20 years old. Wow. So I just dropped out of college and came in. And what were you studying at college? Uh, I started art education. I wanted to be an art teacher. Uh And then they put me in a classroom and I said, no, thank you. (laughs) So then I changed changed to theater design and production with an emphasis in hair and makeup, which, for lack of a better term, is drag. Um, yeah, I was like, wow, 
So there's a degree. Uh, no, no degree. No degree. Nope. <laughs> I did. Well, at least I didn't get it. I just yeah, no, was miserable at a place trying to be taught these things that I already mm-hmm. knew. And I was just like over it. So I moved. So anyway. And where was college? Where did you go? Where, where, which city? Decatur, Illinois. Wow. <laughs> which is, and I uh, uh-huh, 100% yeah. aware you have no idea where that is, which is fine. Nope. The only reason I went there was yeah. because it's my mom's alma mater. That's where she went to college. And okay. neither of my brothers wanted to go. So I was just like, okay, I'm the last hope. I'll do it. Whatever. Fine. <laughs> um, fine. I'll be an art teacher. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. Which, oh my God. Thank God. And then you were like, fuck it. I'm moving to LA to be a drag queen. Did you? <laughs> well, when I moved to LA, I had yeah. no intention of being a drag queen. I okay. loved doing drag and I had a feeling that I would do it every once in a while, but I moved to LA to be an influencer. Uh, yeah. I wanted to be a makeup, a beauty boy. I wanted to be like James Charles, Manny MUA, all these beauty boys. Yeah. And I did. I moved to LA. I started doing makeup. I started going to events and um, I started doing makeup on set for people. And I just realized that the environment was so toxic and I, I hated putting makeup on other people. It was only fun doing it on myself. Mm. So I got booked one time. And after that one time, it just was a snowball into auditioning and then getting on Drag Race, like almost instantly after moving here. So what, what's the timeline from the first booking? So the, the pink look to Drag Race, what's the, what timeline are we talking? I would say a little under a year probably. Wow. So I would just work like five nights a week in drag and just, you know, pay my dues and, and do all of that. And then yeah. I just sent in a tape and I told myself that I was not taking no for an answer. And then I got on. <laughs> I love, I love that conviction. That's like, you know, positive vision, manifesting what you were going right. for. Well, I was also trying it. to prove it to my parents that I didn't drop out okay. and move to LA for nothing. Because, you know, when I dropped out, they weren't happy about it necessarily okay but they they were like you can do this but we will not give you a penny from here on out and they haven't okay but and so this look this pink look was this kind of the olive branch that your mom was like okay well so that brings me to I may not be getting a penny from them, but I'm getting all these custom <laughs> garments, which would <laughs> okay. be costing an arm which and is a what leg. I would be spending every and penny on exactly. anyway and so. my mom will not let me pay for them. So okay. eventually, yes, I will obviously be paying her for these things and she will not like it. Um, but so this pink look was, again, one of those things that I was not entirely aware who Carmen Sandiego was, but I had seen this picture. I had to Google it. I'm not going to lie. I had to Google it. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, she's fabulous. But I, I wanted it in a like Pepto-Bismol pink color. And it was really the first time my mom had ever made like a hat and um, a trench. Like it was the first like fashion thing my mom's ever made. Because okay. prior to that, it was all like 1950s dresses and like theater, theatrical type of silhouettes. But this one was like pussy short and like wide belt that she made herself and the giant lapels with the cuffs on the sleeves and the hat. And it was just like, I I got it in the mail and it was so exciting like to open this up and try it on and know that it only works for me. It doesn't work for anybody else. It's my size. It's no one else owns it. And then that fed the addiction of, okay. I have to have everything just like custom. <laughs> 
yeah. <laughs> yeah. from here on out. Everything has to be made exclusively for me. Yeah, I mean, it's addictive, I'm sure. Was she just so proud to see you in it and to to see it come to life? Yeah. I, again, she could care less about the drag. She did. She could care less about the whole, you know, dressing up as a woman and, and getting on stage. The only thing she cares about is putting a smile on her kids' faces. And she, she'd do the same for either of my brothers, too, and my dad. Um, yeah. And so I think just her seeing the the happiness and the success that I got wearing that look and all these looks after mm. is, you know, reward enough for her. But of course now she's gotten yeah. sucked into the fandom. <laughs> yeah, she's obsessed. What's your relationship like with your dad? Because you talk a lot about your mom and, and your relationship creatively. Do you have a good relationship with your dad? Is he watch your shows and stuff he has watched the show but Mm -hmm. from what i understand very out of the corner of his eye um he's never been all throughout my childhood and every time we got in in an argument about something new i was trying he would always say i accept it but i do not affirm it so that was always like a you know, very backhanded thing. And he's said some really terrible things to me when I, you know, was outed to him. And when I started doing these, these things, putting on makeup, even wearing skinny jeans. And um, when it came to the point where my mom started working with me in drag, it would have to be um, like, okay, Sam's about to come up the stairs now. And we'd have to warn my dad so he could leave the room and not have to catch me looking the way that I was looking because he just couldn't, Uh, he could not fathom his son dressing up as a girl. But my mom's always right and he will never win an argument with her. So that's just what he had to do. Did it just drive you and your mom closer? Yes, absolutely. It was like, it was like us against them kind of mentality in that sense. Yeah. Yeah. For, For a long time, I didn't hate my dad, but I also didn't love my dad. I just had no, like zero connection to him whatsoever. Lately, though, um, especially because of RuPaul's Drag Race, and I think without RuPaul's Drag Race, this really would not have happened. He has opened his heart a little bit wider to drag and to what I do and has understood that it's not quite as serious as he was making it out to be. And he has like I, I heard him say that he was proud of me for the first time in my entire life Wow! last year. So, you know. RuPaul's Drag Race bringing families together since 2009. (laughs) Thank you, Mama Ru. Yeah, okay. Amazing. And then on your mum's Instagram page, she's actually got the sketch of the pink look. So that's kind of, from what I understand it, that's your creative process. So you'll sketch, you send her the sketch, and then she has a form with your, Mm -hmm. your full, like, anatomical measurements, and then you receive this perfectly fitting custom piece in the post. Absolutely. (laughs) That is exactly how it goes. And it's always in, like less than a week's time yeah. always i mean she she knocks things out like that is insane to so me so she needs to be in fashion we need seamstresses with that skill set and that time frame yeah i mean <laughs> like... you're, you're telling me but again <laughs> she has zero interest in that like doesn't does yeah. not care to do it for anybody else <laughs> but that's just so divine just to hear this you know she just cares about putting a smile on your face i just think you know that's the essence of what it should all be about right have you ever had anything go wrong with any looks that you've done together or, or anything where you've been like oh, this was not what i was thinking actually <laughs> you can take this back rarely 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 but yeah. yes it has happened a couple give me times. a give me an example of you um 
there's a look that I wore a while ago that was very like Harlequin, Harlequin, um, Jester, mint green and baby pink with like this big tall cone on my head. I remember that, yes. And I, it just was not what I was hoping for. It was very, um, I think it was just the material. The fabric was so heavy that it didn't give me any volume. There was no structure to the bodice. And of course I wore it and got endless compliments. And it was such minor little things to me that nobody else would have noticed. But yeah, that, I think that actually might be the only time. Okay. Are the only one? Yeah. That's pretty, that's pretty good. Honestly, like I just have this whole rack of clothes next to me that are just full of these. I wish that everyone could see these pieces up close because they look like couture, fully finished, fully lined. I mean, they are. All she needs to tag. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. All she needs to tag. And then I, because I, this sounds kind of creepy now, but I was looking at her Instagram like earlier today and just the way she documents what she's making for you it's like such a labor of love like the Mm -hmm. the like the wall street broker with the huge shoulders the like talking heads like shoulder pads and just like the way she constructed that you you can see all of the the internal work and like it looks absolutely amazing Mm -hmm. um okay so then moving on to the final look we're going to talk about which is your um finale look your eleganza look for the finale of drag race so it was um talk to me about the starting point for this look well i have known since before i auditioned for drag race that i wanted that that is the that is exactly what i wanted my last look to be which was just i think that that look is the most gg look that has ever been and will ever be because it brings together all of my passion for 80s I just like I'm a slut for 80s glamour and it also tied in a bit of my love for like vintage and 40s sort of with the hair um as well as my passion for camp and humor and um you know it is it's fun to wear fashion that is just beautiful but it's even more fun when you can be in on the joke and you can offer a sense of humility and humor to it so that look has been in the the back of my mind for a long time. I sketched that look long before I was even on Drag Race. And um, it just is like, that look was very special to me because my mom made it while I was getting ready. Like two days before I left for the show, she made this gown and it fit like a glove. Um, It was her first time like constructing a corset too, which she, it's the cummerbund that I'm wearing is a corset. It's fully boned. So it's fully boned. Yes. And so, and it was like her first time doing anything like that. And that actually, thank God that she did that because now almost every single piece that I have is fully boned and in corseted on the inside, which is like... Because now she has that internal like structure that she can just put in. Oh my God. There is like, there is nothing that is just more satisfying and stunning than just being able to like clip something on the back and zip it up and it fits like a glove. Oh my God. So she, I mean... And I mean, down to the wire, she was making this gown, like, minutes before I had to... No pun intended. um, (laughs) No pun intended. But, you know, she's never stressed. I mean, she was always just, like, sitting there with her needle and thread and, like, 
most things she does is with a needle and thread rather than a machine. So she'll just sit- so where and where did you get the concept from? So you, you sketched it f- like way before Drag Race. So what can you remember the reference point for it? Was it a particular reference point, or was it literally just kind of the eighties? high school movies and proms and yeah I think it's a big culmination of all of my knowledge from the 80s and like those nerdy nerdy girls that always end up being the prettiest at the end of the movie which I I think that was the underlying theme for me was Mm -hmm. it's the the girl who's underestimated who gets the last word you know yeah and so a lot of my looks are very referential but a lot of them too don't really come from any one specific thing it's just something that comes into my head and um I all the ideas I come up with I do while I'm doing my makeup I never Mm. listen to music when I'm doing makeup because it's the only time I get to think and like process and get inspired take it in yeah so when you say you describe that look as being the most Gigi look that's ever been like I completely I totally get that and I love the way that you that sense of humor and that in on the joke thing. And I've, I read that you described your drag as being as a little bit stupid. Oh my God. And I love, I love that point of view because I used to want to say things like that about my own designs all the time on my own clothes and be like, well, it's a bit stupid, isn't it? But then people automatically assume that you're not taking yourself seriously when you, you know, when you refer to things in in that kind of way and you're like, oh, it's a bit stupid, Mm -hmm. but there's so much work and effort and serious graft that goes into successfully making yourself look a little bit stupid impeccably well. Yes. And, that's what I love about Gigi. Well, thank I you. Just... Thank you for that. Because that's really exactly how I look at it. I would rather everything that I wear just, I, I like, I just want to make people laugh. I just want to make people smile. And, you know, it's stupid. It's all dumb. It's all just really stupid. Mm, yeah. But but in like the most like iconic way of, of yeah. doing that, and I think you know it's it's expression and it's and it's powerful and it's really harnessing the power of clothing and beauty and hair and makeup and all of those things brought together to kind of make people feel differently and make you feel differently and make your audience and people that watch you perform. Totally, totally. And there's also like yeah a big sense of control with that too when you take the power away from the word stupid or anything like that and it's it's another sense of um when i was talking about before having other people do everything for me it's like i do literally everything myself i have never worn a wig that somebody else has styled i have never worn something that i or my mom or like forever 21 you know didn't make yeah um and the same thing for my makeup i've never had someone do my makeup and i've never worn it out of the house it's like having having the ability to just have this world of creative energy and it even comes into play with like the house of avalon and marco monroe and who have who have been such an incredible source of inspiration and motivation amazing force yeah because you were all quarantined together like the house of avalon right the the whole crew and just some of the things that you created and the shoots and the the pool shoot in palm springs is pretty impressive the sitting and the basketball ring like (laughs) it's just such um an inspiring group of people just to be around it like yeah you must want to be locked down for the next for another year oh my god yeah (laughs) I mean honey my work ethic is gonna go down the drain as soon as I have to start traveling but again it all comes down to that one underlying theme of stupidity because none of us take anything too seriously 
And I think it, the minute that you stop taking yeah. something so seriously and you do it for you rather than anybody else is the minute that the wider public starts to recognize it and appreciate it more because it's, you know, it's not for you. It's for me. You can see it. You can like yeah. it. You can comment on it, but I'm not doing this for you. Watch from the outside. It's, it's yeah, it's so good. Well, that's amazing. So what's, what's next? What's next for you once lockdown's properly lifted? Is you, have you got like this tentative, you must have like this tentative diary of schedule of like bus, club, playing, club, club, but you don't know when it's going to start, right? Right. Well, I mean, I, I di- I'm supposed to be like, God knows where right now. Um, yeah. And it, it's, it's tough because yes, I have all these dates lined up and I, I am so looking forward to getting to actually meet these fans that I've been interacting with online and to meet brands and of course designers and everything is uncertain right now. So it's, yeah, it's very much, I'm, I'm living every single day in the moment and just saying, you know what, I have this whole day free. I might as well get a head start. I have, my mom has been working on several looks just to have as in my arsenal of touring and traveling and like I've yeah. you know I'm just getting excited about it because I know it'll happen eventually it's going to happen eventually yeah, of course but nobody yeah. knows when so as of right now I think for the near future definitely be expecting some more digital things some more um, music videos the House of Avalon and I have gotten very invested in filming. And we are getting drones. We are getting stabilizers. We are getting, uh, honey, honey, we are going to give you the fucking budget without the budget. The goods. You know? Yes. <laughs> okay, oh, my God. Good. And everything is done with, like, next to no money, which is the best part, you know? Like, none yeah. of us have any money That's right now. the real so. creativity happens. Yes. The minute someone comes in with a budget, things get screwed. Yeah, uh-huh. Absolutely. <laughs> And Gigi, you've brought in a piece that will be available to buy on Vestiaire Collective and all of the proceeds, including 100% of the commission, will be donated to a charity of your choice. So what is it that you're going to donate? I have just a sweet little piece. It's very understated. This cute little cape that my mother made, which is um, fully lined and fully finished. Um, I had this made two Christmases ago, which is really Uh weird because it's zebra print and not anything to do with Christmas, but I had this like (laughs) red vinyl um, outfit made with like gloves and it was a skirt and I had a white fur hat and this is what I wore before the reveal. So I'd like tear this off and it would turn into like a Christmas outfit. Um, Okay, amazing. So I'm more than happy to donate this. Do you know which charity you want to donate that to? Yes, I am going to donate this to the existing Loudly Fund, which is amazing. And I know you've worked with them before. Yeah, they're amazing. And they work with young queer black kids in the UK and help them create spaces where they can feel safe and experience joy. And they're going to be so thrilled with that. Thank you so much. Yes, of course. So if you want to get your hands on that incredible custom made cape made by Gigi's mum, make sure you download the Vestiaire Collective app and search for the What Were You Thinking profile in the search bar. Well, thank you so much for talking to me today. It's been absolutely a, a total pleasure. And I think I've gushed enough. But, um, <laughs> I could do it for hours. But um, I think you're amazing. I think you're brilliant. And thank you so, so much. Thank you for having me. This is so fun. And thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I'll be back with another amazing guest next time. And until then, I'll keep you entertained on Instagram at What Were You Thinking Podcast and even on TikTok at WWYT underscore podcast. 
If you like what you heard, let me know. Give us a rating, five stars preferably. I'm going to go check out the Bestia Collective app and see if anyone's bought Gigi's mum's cake. Might even get it for my mum if it's still available. Oh.